Our precious Father, we want to thank you again for the privilege we have tonight again to study your scriptures. We are trusting you to teach us, to help us to understand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, we are at the weapons of our warfare part five. The reason we are studying these things is if we don't know them, it's going to hinder your blessings because that's where the enemy is headed to, to deprive you of your blessings and to make you blaspheme God, to say God has failed, to say it doesn't work. That's what he wants to do because his job is to deceive. So we need to know how to checkmate him, how to stop him so that we make sure that we enjoy all our blessings and have fullness of joy. Uh, first scripture we're reading is from 1 Thessalonians 5.14. This is TPT translation. It says, we appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, to instruct those who are not in their place of battle. Those who are not in their place of battle should be instructed. Be skilled at gently encouraging those who feel themselves inadequate. Those who feel inadequate are being instructed and encouraged. Be faithful to stand your ground. Help the weak to stand again. Be quick to demonstrate patience with everyone. So we need to help one another so that we can stand, so we can be, we'll be strong in our grounds, taking our stance, and, and, and then be able to be in a place of battle. So in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16, uh, it's the verse we're going to uh, handle this evening. It says, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So we're going to look at the shield of faith. The shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So we are looking at something very important. If this is what you need to quench every that the enemy throws at you, I think it's important that you take interest in understanding how to deploy this shield of faith. In another scripture, it says, 1 John 5, 4, it says, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So he's saying that the victory that overcomes the world is our faith. So important, very, very important. And there another scripture in James 1, 6, it says, but let him ask in faith, Nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Seven, for let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord except a man who walks in faith. Now, if you cannot receive anything of the Lord, this is serious. It means you can't even enjoy the victory that God gives us. So let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. So our approach to this discussion is going to take three-pronged three approach. Number one is what is faith. Number two is how does faith come. Number three is how do we release our faith to make it work for us. If you understand what faith is, if you have an accurate understanding God's own version of faith, not just any version of faith, God's own version of faith, Bible version of faith. If you understand it and Bible version of how it comes and how to release it, you are good to go. You can put up your shield of faith at any moment. So what is faith? Now faith, that is faith, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. Said, now, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We're going to take this, let's, let's start with the substance of things not hoped for. We're going to talk about evidence as we go down. Then let's start with faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now, it would be natural to say what is substance? What is substance? What is substance? Faith is substance. 
Faith is this substance. So what is substance? Substance is something which has a tangible, solid presence. This thing I hold in my hand is a substance. This pulpit is a substance. Substance, something that has a solid presence, a tangible presence that has a concrete existence. It's a substance. So it's not something that is abstract or imaginary. Something that exists only in thought only and as an idea. No. Faith is not something that exists only as an idea or imaginary in the thought, but something that has a concrete existence. So faith, the Bible says, is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the reality, the existence of things we expect, hoped for, is we expect them. And so let me see if we can marry this together and give us a summary of all of this. Therefore, faith in summary is a tangible reality or substance that has a, something that has a concrete existence but not seen and therefore is being expected to manifest. Not being expected to be created because it already exists. Very important that you get this because so many people and are doing this and they say we have faith. It is not something you are expecting God to do. If God hasn't done it, then it doesn't exist. But if God has done it, then it has a concrete existence. That's a huge difference here. You can't be operating in something that, you know, you say God will do this, God will do it, God will do it, then that's not faith. God will heal me. God will do this. God will heal me. That's not faith. What you're saying, God hasn't healed me. God hasn't done this. So that healing does not exist. Get it straight. If it's not a substance, if it's not something that has a concrete existence, that's not faith. That is hope. Mere hope. Mere hope. If mere hope is faith, the scripture will not tell us that faith is a substance of things hoped for. I would have said, well, things hoped for is faith. No, he didn't say things hoped for is faith. He said, no, there is a substance that you expect. So we must get it clear. And this is Bible version of faith. And which means really that it's talking about spiritual things that really exist. They are not seen, but they exist. They have concrete existence, but you're expecting to see it manifest. Again, if I say, God will heal me tomorrow, that is not faith. Because there is no concrete thing. The healing, the thing I'm talking about does not exist. I'm hoping that tomorrow, then God will not do it for it to exist. But if I change it and say, God has healed me, then the healing exists. It's a concrete thing. It's a concrete thing, which means it's something that already exists. Faith is a substance of things we expect, hope for. We must get it right here. And that's why every, the word of God, when God speaks to people, he says, I've given you, I've given you this, I've made you this, I've made you that, because it has to be what he has done. You can't, be, you can't, you can't, call, you can't say, God hasn't given me something and I say, I'm expecting it to manifest. What am I expecting? I, I, I have to expect what God has already done to manifest. So mere hope is saying, God will heal me. God will do this. That is mere hope. The Bible didn't say faith is hope. It said faith is a substance of things you can now hope for, expect. Expectation of something that doesn't exist is not faith. I want that to sink it to us. And so, if it is faith, then I mostly would be thanking God for it. Let's look at Abraham as our example. Romans chapter 4, verse 13. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. 
For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. 15. Because the law brings both wrath, for where there is no law, there is no transgression. Verse 16. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of all. So he's saying those who exercise the same faith with, as Abraham did, they are going to enjoy the promises of God. That's why I read these places. Everybody who exercises the same faith like Abraham did is going to enjoy the promises of God. Now, let's see how Abraham exercised his faith. The Bible version of faith in verse 17, as it is written. As you two read the scripture, it is also written. It is written as it is written. I have made you a father of many nations. It's now a substance. I have made you. God said, I've, I've done it. It's now a substance. So that can be a foundation for faith. I have made you. I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him who believed God, who gives life to the dead and caused those things which do not exist as though they did. Who contrary to hope, in hope believed. So that he became the father of many nations because he simply believed that God has made him. Not going to, if, if God is going to make him, then he will never be until God makes him. Until God makes him. But God said, no, I have made you. That's why he can believe that he is. So that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken to him. What is it that was spoken to him? God says, I have made you a father of many nations. Now, a substance exists. Something concrete exists. God has done it. So he can lay claim to that and say, that's mine because God has done it for me. So what did Abraham do? Verse 19. And not being weak in faith, he did not now consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Why? God has made him. He wasn't going to God to say, God, how about making me? No, it's, all, it's a substance. It's a substance, brethren. Something that has a concrete existence and can be grasped by the mind. Tangible reality. Verse 21, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able to perform it, that if God said that, then he's done. He's done it. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. The Bible says, if we too did this, then we can also enjoy the promises of God that also was written for us, that God wrote for you, that in Christ, I have done this for you, I have done this for you, I have done this for you, and then you go and read it like Abraham and so believe that God has done that for you and against hope, against any circumstance, you too become persuaded that that is a substance that exists. You too begin to give glory to God. The Bible says you will enjoy that promise. And so that's the way you can shorten the devil. If he wants to, to make you not believe what God says because all he does is lie. If God says, I have given you, the devil will say, he hasn't given you. If God says, I have done this, the devil will say, he hasn't done that. And he will come and create a circumstance to say, see, he didn't do that. That's the way he robs us. Look at the, at the Lord Jesus at the tomb of Lazarus. John eleven forty one. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And so Jesus was being confronted with the dead man. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have had me. He didn't say, Lord, God, the man is still lying in the grave. Oh. 
If I smell it, hasn't even moved and you, you had me. No. He said it's done. It's <laughs> done. Is it is something existing? God's finished it. He said, Thank you, you had me. Not because of this one, it's because of your faithfulness. Abraham didn't say God did it because of the wife and himself. He said, No, God is able to do what he said. It's the character of God. He says, That's God Almighty. That's God Almighty. Jesus stood there and said, I thank you, Father, you heard me. What's the evidence he heard him? He said, you hear me always. It's right here, verse 42. And I know that you always hear me. Period. You hear me always. So I don't, that you too can have the same testimony. You hear me always. That's the evidence. The man was there smelling, if it's me or you, oh my God. That's when we start firing prayer of unbelief and don't nullify everything. Nullify everything. And then we have all this company of unbelieving believers, all these fire extinguishers that walk by sight, and they come and join you in that celebration of unbelief. So we see what faith is. Faith is the substance. Something that has a tangible existence. And tangible reality means something you can grasp with your mind that it really exists. Not something that is not existing. If it's not existing, then it's not a substance. It's not a substance. It's not a substance. You must ask yourself, am I really talking and behaving like this is a substance? Abraham did that. He didn't go to God and say, no, the thing doesn't exist because look at me and my wife. He gave glory. Jesus didn't say, Lord, you, this man is not, is not you, you didn't hear me because look at his smelling. No. He said, you hear me always. I spoke to the man and said, come out of there. Come out of there. How do you speak to a dead body if you don't believe there's life there? That's called faith. So how does faith come? How does faith come? So God, first of all, God gives us faith. God is the one that gives you and I faith through the revelation of his word. Quit reveals to you what God has done. He said to Abraham, I have made thee. If he didn't tell Abraham, Abraham would know. So he told Abraham, this is what I've done. I'm a spirit. In this, in the work of the spirit is spirit. I've done it, but it will manifest in the natural. But the things that you see are made by things you do not see. That's where it starts. The things we see are made by things we do not see. So God gives you the evidence of what has happened in the realm you do not see. Strictly then called spiritual realm. Spiritual realm. So God gives, you the, 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 God gives you faith by telling you what has happened in the spiritual realm that you do not see, but it is a substance. It is not a mere imagination. It is a reality. It is a substance. It is a substance. A substance is something that has tangible reality, something that concretely exists. For instance, God exists. He exists, but we have never seen him. And you are probably not going to see him anyway. But God exists. That's a substance. Your proof is not because you saw him. Your proof is because the scripture says God is. Romans 12, 3. For, for I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God had dealt to each one a measure of faith. God deals to each one a measure of faith. God gives us measure of faith. God gives us a measure of faith. It's God that deals it. How did he deal to Abraham? Faith. He told Abraham what has happened, what is his, what he has done. And Abraham didn't even know how it was done. When it was done, he just came and said to Abraham, I have made you this thing. And so that's how Abraham's faith came. So Abraham now knew what to believe. In the same way, God deals to you a measure of faith by telling you this is what is yours. 
This is what I have done, like he told Abraham. So it will be up to you now, like Abraham, to believe it. So the faith kept comes by what God tells you, what God reveals to you. Remember, God is not a human being to come and stand with you and be talking with you and say, you know what? I, no, he speaks to you to your, through your spirit. God is a spirit. He doesn't communicate with our intellect because our intellect is carnal and cannot understand God. And so since we are talking about things not seen, so we are really obviously talking about things that our intellect cannot understand. You can't figure it out. It's a waste of time. You will never figure out what God is saying. How can you figure out a hundred-year-old man? God says, I made you a father of many nations. Tell me what science proves that. Science is irrelevant when it comes to spiritual things. God is not a scientist. He doesn't follow science. God is the creator of heaven and earth. He makes and unmakes. Science or not, he, cha- he changes nature, does what he likes. He reigns over everything. So what God is saying is not something I can sit up and subject to my human intellectual analysis, figuring it out, and then letting science come and confirm God. That's for blasphemy. That a man come and say, I need to confirm this God. Without me approving God, that's not true. Who are you? So it's not subject to human intellectual analysis. It's not subject to human scientific analysis. It's not. Absolutely not. They are completely irrelevant. And so when we talk about God speaking to you, it's obviously not addressing your intellect because you will not be able to understand it through that means. So we're not talking about things you can see, feel. Remember, we're talking about the spiritual world. God is a spirit. It's not like saying, if God exists, let him show himself to me. You will die. <laughs> Just that. Romans 8.16 The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit. With our spirit. That we are the children of God. It doesn't bear witness with your intellect, with your flesh. Remember this. Because if we don't remember this, we want to now get faith by seeing and intellectualizing and, you know, being comfortable. It has to be in your comfort zone. You will never, 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 never walk in faith. It's not going to happen. It's impossible. You perpetuate yourself in unbelief and spiritual failures. And look for who to blame. So God gives us faith only through revelation of his word to our spirit. Remember, his word is spirit and life. His word is not science. It's not psychology. It's not human wisdom. It's wisdom higher than our wisdom. And what it does does not originate from men. It originates from him. You see, it doesn't even enter the heart of man. What is it? It doesn't. And so in the scripture that we're going to read, it uses the word heart. Why? It's not the physical heart. It's because the word heart is interchangeable in, in some parts of scriptures with the spirit. The word heart is interchangeable with the spirit in some verses of the scripture. How you know is the context in which it's spoken and other scriptures interpreting that same scripture for you. For instance, now the scripture tells us that God bears witness with our spirit. So you're going to know that when he talks about heart, now he's talking about bearing witness with our spirit. Because he can't say the scripture bears, God bears witness with our spirit and come at another place and talk about God bearing witness with your flesh or anything else. It has to be consistent. So he uses the word heart, which means your spirit. So in Romans 10, 8, he said, but what said it? The word is not even in their mouth and in their heart, which is really in their spirit. That is the word of faith which we preach. This word of faith is in your spirit. That's why it is. <clears throat> Verse 16. Romans 10, 16. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who have believed our report, so then faith cometh by hearing, hearing 
by the word of God. <clears throat> Who has believed our report? Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Again, you hear by your spirit ear. Jesus said, he that has yet to hear, let him hear. So he opens our spiritual eyes and opens our spiritual ability to understand what he's saying. Look, there are people who are mere churchgoers. These things don't make sense to them. So they don't think it's important and they don't seek to know this superior revelation that God gives. They are not interested in it. They just go to church and they think life is okay. I mean, <laughs> I'm making dollar now. Huh? Life is okay. There are millions that live like that. There are people who go to church. They have no interest in these things we are talking about because they think they're secure. They're self-sufficient. People are like that. But you don't have to be like that. So for those who are like that, who don't want revelation, who are not even seeking it, Luke 24, 16 is their portion. But their eyes were beholding that they will not know him because they are not seeking to know him. So they won't know. Period. That's what the scripture says. It said these people, because they are not seeking the truth, it said their eyes was blinded, their mind was blinded, because every time they went to Jesus, they were looking for trouble. They were looking for how to catch him in this. They were not seeking for the truth. Since they were not seeking for the truth, God was not obligated to give them the truth. But those who seek the truth, Luke chapter 24, 31. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him. And he vanished from their sight. In verse 45. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. That's how revelation comes. The Holy Spirit speaks to you, opens your eyes, opens your understanding so that you can understand this superior word that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. But he will do that if you want to. God will not negate your will. If you want to, if you don't want to, you leave you alone. Since you, it's just sufficient, he says that he said the, the physician, it is the sick that needs the physician. But the healthy don't need the physician. So those who are healthy say they don't need me. But those who need me, I'm the physician. I'll come and heal them. So it's the same thing that applies here. So we must understand that faith will come through this means. But those who want to know are those that he will talk to. Those who don't care about it, he will, he will not bother them. Because they, they have what works for them. And that's okay by them. So it's your responsibility to get faith, to grow in it. It's your responsibility. Second Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself approved unto God. It's my responsibility and your responsibility to study. A workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. To get a revelation, a correct revelation of what God is saying. It's your responsibility and my responsibility. Now, First Timothy 4.15, meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. Again, it's my responsibility to meditate upon these things. Nobody will do it for me. These are my primary responsibilities. And you should know that. I can't study for you. You can't study for me. I, you can't meditate for me, and I, have, I, I, I can't meditate for you. Your wife cannot meditate for you. You're the one that will meditate for yourself. So it's your primary responsibility to get faith, to hear God. It's your primary responsibility to grow your faith and grow in grace. Second Peter 1.19, because of that experience, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets, you must pay close attention. Again, your responsibility and mine is to pay close attention to what they wrote. For their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and Christ the morning star shines in your heart. The Bible says the entrance from the world brings light, brings understanding. You know, it has to wait through all this, all this thing in our soul realm, all the knowledge that's not right, all the thinking and all the things that we have for years imbibed and built up a, a sludge. It has to go through all of that. And don't kid yourself, everybody has those kind of stuff. Wrong doctrines we imbibed, the things we did because denominations do that. You know, it's, it's dangerous not to think for yourself. 
It's really dangerous to be following people. Just follow. Whatever they do, you do. You should think for yourself. You should go to scripture and say, Lord, let me be find out what you are saying. Because if, if you don't do that and judge all things, if, if they are in error, you too in Bible error. So you have to study until the light breaks through all these things that you've been doing for years and people told you for years that, has, that the devil is planting all, all those things there. All those things not planted by God must be operated. They have to. It has to. You must give it attention until it breaks through the fears, all the fears the enemy is throwing at you. You got to. Verse 20. It's, above all, you must realize that no, no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding. That's what we are saying. These things don't come from human understanding or from human initiative. No. These prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. So it's our responsibility. That's the second point I'm making about this. Faith comes. God gives us faith through revelation to our spirit. But it's our responsibility to get it. Now, if I'm giving you something, you, your responsibility is to receive it. It's our responsibility to get it. And if we fail in that responsibility, there's nothing God can do about it. Now, the object of our faith is Christ. The object of our faith is Christ alone. Don't put your faith in anything else. Don't put your faith in yourself. In anything you do, the object of your faith is strictly Christ Jesus himself. For all the promises of God are fulfilled in him and not outside of him. Look at what Paul said to, in 1 Corinthians 2, 5. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now, who is the power of God? Christ, the power of God. The gospel, the power of God. Now, the, the, word of, the, the, the scripture we read in Romans, Romans chapter 10. Let me go back there. Romans chapter 10, in verse 8. I mean, in verse 16. It says, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. See? If the gospel is talking about faith coming by hearing the gospel. They have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, now what is he quoting? Isaiah said, Lord, who have believed our report. Remember where this is from? Isaiah 53, verse 1. What is Isaiah 53 all about? Isaiah chapter 53 is about the gospel. About how Jesus is the sacrifice for our sins. And how righteousness is given to us because he bore our sins. And how healing came to us. The Isaiah chapter 3 is awesome. It summarizes the gospel for you. That's why it starts here. I say, but they have not all obeyed the gospel that Isaiah wrote about. And so it comes to verse 17. It says, so then faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Now, some, some, some verses said, faith cometh by hearing, hearing the word of the gospel, which is correct because it started off saying, they have not all obeyed the gospel. The gospel is about Jesus Christ. That's what I'm trying to point out. So, so our faith must be on Jesus Christ alone. Now let's continue uh, um, advancing this, this point. So the, the, the Romans chapter, yeah, Romans chapter 10, verse 17, New Living Translation. It says, for faith comes from hearing, and that is hearing the good news about Christ, because Christ is the foundation of our faith. Hebrew 12, 2, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding the, 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 the shame. Now, Jesus is the champion who initiates and advances our faith. We keep our eyes on him and nothing else. Don't keep your, his, your eyes on yourself. You get discouraged. Faith will never come from me or from you. It's from Christ. 1 John 5, 4 teaches us that the faith that wins is the faith that is put on Christ alone. First John 5, 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Then 5. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. He that believes that the gospel is the faith that the gospel gives that gives us victory. Because in Christ is all the blessings that God has given us. Like he said to Abraham, I have made you. In the gospel you find all he said he has made you. All he said he has given you. All he said he has accomplished it for you. It's in the gospel. And it's all because of 
the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Forgiveness because of his blood. Healing because God made him sick. We are set free because God took away our sin nature and gave us his nature. So the devil permanently cannot access your spirit. Because it has become the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit and the devil can coexist there. It can persecute your flesh, try to put disease in your flesh, but you can rise by your spirit and checkmate him. That's the greatest deliverance, like I said on Sunday, that God performs circumcision, not made by human hand, cut off our body of sin, quit the devil, trusted. That was gave him access to us, but now it's cut off. The Bible says he's disarmed. Now we have the nature of God, the life of God. What he is, what he has, it's all yours. That's what the gospel reveals. So those who believe the gospel walk in victory. They walk in victory. Second Corinthians 1.20 For all the God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes and through Christ and our amen which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. All of them. But you know the devil's job is to come. Anything God says I've done for you, the devil will say it's not true. He will tell you it's not done. When you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, he'll come and say, what, what do you think you're saying? You're like, talking gibberish. Do you understand what you're saying? But the scriptures say you won't understand it. But he'll come to tell a lie, confuse you. That's what it does all the time. If God says, hey, I made you righteous, the devil will show up and tell you you are not righteous. And sure enough, it has a lot of ignorant people who are preaching what, whatever they are preaching, who will tell you you are not righteous. In spite of the fact that the Bible says the righteousness of God is the first, first thing the gospel reveals. That God makes ungodly people unrighteous because of Christ. But the devil will tell you, no, you are not righteous. How can you say that? And he resorts to reasoning and what you see. And that way he robs you of your boldness and robs you of your faith. Acts 20, 32. And how, and now I entrust you to God and the message of his grace that is able to build you up, give you an inheritance with all those he has set apart for himself. Is it possible to give me this on TPT? Is it, is it, is, is it something you can do easily? To give me this uh, Acts 2032 20, TPT? Yeah. Good. And, and so now I entrust you into God's hands and the message of his grace. Brethren, what is grace? The gospel of his grace. The gospel of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is everything that God did for us in Christ free at the expense of his son. The message of his grace, which is all that you need to become strong. All of God's blessings are imparted through the message of his grace. All of them. All of them. Not through Moses, which he provides as the spiritual inheritance given to all of us, all of all of his holy ones, spiritual inheritance, spiritual realm. But as you believe that and expect it, comes into natural reality. The things that are seen are made by things you don't see. But you have to know that your faith is what transports it into reality. You have to believe that it is true, it is substance, it's yours before you can see it. You can't say it's not yours and expect to see it. This is not magic. So how do you exercise your faith to make it work? We've, 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 we've handled a couple of things. Let me even go back and then remind you what we've said before we come to it here. Because this faith thing is very important. We are talking about how does, what is faith? We said that faith is a substance. Faith is a substance. Faith is something that is tangible. Faith is something that God has done. It's not something that doesn't exist. And it exists in the spiritual realm because God is a spirit. And he walks in the realm where he lives. You live in America, you walk here. God lives 
in the spiritual kingdom, and he works there. But he reveals to us, so how does faith come? God reveals to you what is yours through his spirit. He reveals this to your spirit because your intellect, you, the carnal mind will not understand the things of God. So why should God be talking to your carnal mind? So he's talking to your spirit. And the spirit of God will give revelation to your spirit, open your spiritual eye and understanding so that you will understand the things that are not seen, but they are tangible. They are not mere ideas. They are not abstract. No, they exist. You say, but I haven't seen it. Yes, that's why faith is about things you don't see, but they exist, but you hope that it will manifest. You are not hoping that God will make it because it's a substance. You're only hoping that it will come, it will come and manifest. Like Abraham was not hoping that God will make him a father of many nations. No. He just was expecting Isaac and he was giving glory to God, thanking God every day. So faith comes by hearing the word of the gospel because it is in the gospel that you have all the promises of God for you, not outside the, the gospel. Just want to remind us all these things that we said before. Now, before we come to the, the third one, which is the last part of it, the last part of it is how do you exercise your faith? How do you make it work? We know what faith is. We know how it comes. So how do we put up the shield of faith? Now, there are two ways to release your faith, to make it work for you. These are the two ways also that you yourself show evidence of the things not seen. Faith can be seen. God demands evidence from you, evidence from me, that we believe what he said. God wants us to show evidence. Luke 5.20, and when he saw their faith, he said unto him, man, thy sins are forgiven thee. Not before. It was when he saw their faith. Not before. So God wants to see our faith. Not before. God wants to see that we agree with him because two can work together except they agree. It's very important. So evidence, we need to show God evidence. Then another evidence is the word of God, which is evidence of things not seen. If God says so, it exists. Like we say God is. God exists. Because God says so. But the second evidence is the one you produce yourself. And God says, unto seed. So, there are two ways that we release our faith. Number one is by what we say. The words we speak. That must agree with what God told you. Number two is the actions that correspond to that word we speak. Because action speaks louder than words. So, let's take number one. Number one is by the words we speak. But the words now, let us even understand that words that we speak control our life. Many people don't know this. Many people don't even believe it. We're so careless with words. We don't understand what words do. Look at James chapter 3, verse 2. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we would control our tongues then we will be perfect and, con- and could also control ourselves in every other way. Do you understand the implication of this? That if you can't control your tongue, you can't control your life. It's out of control. Verse 3. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. Verse 4. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to even though the winds are strong, which means the temptations can be there, but your tongue can keep you in faith through it. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. The tongue can set your life on fire. And the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body, it can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. We read scriptures like this. I don't know whether we think it's true or not, but this is true. 
All those things you talk with your friends, you church, 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 talk with your friends and make comments and things about you, that's what you are going to be experiencing. Because that's what you believe. Don't worry about the one, you know, when you manage yourself now, you say, God, I believe God, but when you go out in casual talk, you really, you really say what you believe. You know, there, there, there are th- sometimes you manage what you say because you're in church, or, you know, it's, it's to you religious time, so you manage it that time. But outside of that, when you feel free, you know, it's not religious time, you really say what you believe. And those things are affecting they really, really affect you. All that thing you talk to your friends and family in your kitchen, and it's affecting you. Setting things on fire. Whatever we believe, we release into reality by what we say. Whatever we believe. It doesn't matter whether it's the word of God or not. Whatever you believe, you, are, you release it into reality by what you say. Our word is a means of bringing into reality whatever we believe in our heart. Mark eleven twenty three. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say, listen to the Lord Jesus, whosoever shall say, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he said shall come to pass, he shall have whatever he said. The thing has not come to pass, has not come into reality. But when he says it, it comes into reality, he will have it. If he says it and what, that's what he believes, he says he will have it. It will not come into reality. It hasn't come into reality before he opened his mouth. But he opened his mouth and started to say it. He said then he will have it. Read it again. Mark eleven twenty three. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe, he shall believe that those things, those things, those things, whether they are negative or not, those things which he shall, which he said shall come to pass, shall come to pass. It hasn't been manifested in reality yet, but he starts saying them. He says. He will have whatsoever it is he's talking about. He will have it. Even in prayer. He said, therefore, I say to you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe now that it's coming to pass. That's what he's saying. Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Even in prayer, if you pray and believe that this thing I'm saying will come to pass, it will come to pass. That's what Jesus is saying. So is it not what I have is what I've been saying? Is it not you too what you have and the experience of your life is what you've been saying? James 3.9. James 3.9 says, sometimes it pray, this is our tongue. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father in the church. <laughs> we lift up our hands. And we are talking, even when you are in certain circles, you know, faith, talk. Praises our, Father, our Lord and Father. And sometimes now, when the, when the church thing is taken away, it causes. It says things that are not, that's not what God says about them. It causes those who have been made in the image of God. You have been made in the image of God. Sanctified by the blood. Made righteous. Blessed with the blessings of Abraham. You start causing yourself by saying those things that are not in line with what the scripture says. Because, because, you are talking about what you see, what you feel, how the society is, what you hear from television, what you hear from people, wasting your time on irrelevant things. Just wasting your time. And then talking all those things and you say, would that affect you? Are you serious? God said, that's what you are going to have. You know, somebody called me from Lagos. Yesterday we were talking, he was sharing some things with me. And then in the evening, the Lord said, call that man back and tell him not to say things like that anymore. And I called him back. I said, the Lord said, don't you ever say things like that. He said, Pastor, I agree with you. I said, don't. I'm telling you now, don't, don't you say things like that anymore. Simple words, they look simple. James 3 verse 10, and so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth 
Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. It's not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? How can a Christian cause himself? Verse 12, does a fig tree produce olives or a, a grapevine produce figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. You can't draw life, blessings from speaking salty words. Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences of it. That's why the Bible says if you want to talk, speak as an oracle of God. Don't describe what you see. Say what God says. Let them laugh at you. Look, if you start walking in faith, the first people that will disagree with you are Christians. Not even unbelievers. Unbelievers will leave you alone. They don't understand what you're doing. It's Christians, so. Christians? Christians? <laughs> they are the first people that say, nah, need to be wise, so. They said, I'm not kidding you. I've been in this business for over, over many years. I know what I'm talking about. When God said to us to come to this country, the people that discouraged us most were pastors that had titles and were known, nationally known. All these big, they were the ones that said, no, 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 no. They didn't even seek God to say, is it the will of God? And I didn't even have a desire to come to America. <laughs> I didn't have a desire, but God said, I'm sending you there. So now having known what words can do, let's see how it relates to faith now. The words of faith is also released through confession of, what, of the same word. If you want to see the reality of what God has done, you say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. It's just that simple. It's simple. It's not too complicated. He said, Pastor, I've not seen it. Did Abraham see Isaac? Did Jesus see Lazarus come out from the grave? But he knew that's a substance. It exists. Brother, let me tell you, you've got to believe that God is so. Many people don't believe that God is. That's why they kid with church, kid with Bible, kid with everything. They don't believe. The Lord told me one time, he said, a lot of people don't even believe that I exist. So if they do, it will show how they treat my word. They don't believe God exists. They just, this thing is in the mental realm. To them, it's a social thing, society. Go to church, habit. Romans 10, 9. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Verse 10. For with the heart, your spirit, the word it should be in your heart, your spirit, and in your mouth. Meditate on it. Let it be in your heart and be on your lips. It shall not depart from there. For, verse, verse 10, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Yes, the Bible says when you believe God counts you righteous. Yes. And with the mouth now confession is made unto salvation, unto reality. You speak it out, becomes reality. For the scripture said, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. It's telling us how it works. The word faced in your heart, in your spirit, revelation, then you speak it out. He said to Joshua, it must be in your lips. must be in your lips. You have to say it. That's how God created the whole world. God exercised faith. When he said, let there be, that was exercise of faith too. That's why he, he brought things into reality. Let there be this. Let there be this. And the Bible says by the word of faith, we create the words too. That the words were created by words of people. Words of faith. You speak what God said continuously, consistently, consistently. Not you say today, tomorrow you say another thing. Consistently, that thing becomes a reality. You cannot waver. Hebrew chapter 10, verse 23. Say, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he that is faithful, for he is faithful that promise. We can't waver from what we are confessing. James 5, 12. But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth 
or with any other oath, but let your yea be yea and no, no, lest you fall into judgment or sin. You can't say, yeah, today, yeah, tomorrow, no, you can't. Matthew 5, 37. But let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay. For whatever, whatsoever is more than this comes from the devil. The devil will make you change your confession. But you won't let him. That's how you fight. You won't let him. He will change circumstances. You say, no, the word of God is still true. I'm not changing it. It's of the evil one to make you change it. Now, the second way we release our faith is by action that agrees with what we say. Look at Mark 5, 25. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years, 26, and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better, but grew worse. 27, when she had heard of Jesus, she heard of Jesus, hearing, hearing, came in the praise behind, touched his garment. See the action. For she said, if I may touch, but if I may touch, but his clothes, I shall be whole. Substance, substance, healing is there. If I touch it, it's there. This is the power of God, Christ. This is the healer right here. Healing is here for me. He says this. I'm, I'm, this is it. I will see it happen. I'm going to touch it and I will see it manifest. When she had heard of Jesus, verse 27, came in the press behind, touched his garment, for she said, that's what she said, if I may touch, but his clothes, I shall be made whole. 29, and straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. She, she touched what she said happened. Now, supposing she didn't go to Jesus. Supposing she said all of that and sat home. That's, it means she didn't believe what she was saying. But the thing that lent credence for, to what she was saying is that she acted exactly what she was saying, which was evidence that she really believed that. It is action that lends credence to my word. If my word is devoid of action, it's empty, vain words. Empty, vain words. James 2.26 says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is also dead. Look at this translation from the voice. It says, removing action from faith is like removing breath from a body. All you have left is a corpse. Look at this one, James 2.26. Anyone who, CEV, anyone who doesn't breathe is dead, and faith that doesn't do anything is just as dead also. So you can't say, I believe I'm well. You have to, there has to be action that acts, God will see and say, really, this man believes he's well. You can't say, I'm blessed with the blessings of Abraham. God has blessed me, and you are miserly. It's not true. If you are blessed, God needs to see that this man believes that God is his source, and, and, and his, his, his actions speak the same thing that the scripture says. This woman believed, got up, went and touched. The, the, the centurion said to Jesus, you don't have to come to my house. Speak the words only, and my servant shall be healed. The power is in the word. Speak that word. It's existing. That power is right there. It's existing. He said, don't come. If he said, oh, speak the word only, but you can come. That's not evidence. Evidence, he said, you don't have to come. I don't need you here. Remember thousands who are following Jesus. This man said, don't come. Even Zacchaeus had to climb up to see Jesus. This man is the only one that said, Jesus, don't come. That's action. That shows he really believes that the word of Jesus has the power and authority that it says it has. So we must have actions that correspond with what we say. That's how you put up your shade of it. Now, if what you are doing does not show that the word of God is true, then you don't have faith. And if what you're saying does not show there's a substance already that God has done, that's not faith. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we just want to thank you 
for the privilege to hear these things. We trust your spirit to teach us again, open our eyes to understand it, so that we, we follow your version of faith. Because only your version will work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.